Howdy. It's Ed. This is the Wrestling for MMA podcast. I talk about wrestling and MMA and everything in between, the intersection between the two, all that. Uh, last week, we previewed the Ferguson Oliveira matchup a little bit, and we'll definitely get into that. We also talked about some wrestlers who were on upcoming cards, and we can talk about how they did. Uh, I'd like to speak a little bit about some of the performances on the most recent UFC card and just point to a couple of people who are competing in upcoming events that are interesting wrestlers in my mind. So let's start with uh, some event uh, results. Last time we talked about some of the Bellator fighters and uh, Alina Lee McFarlane was the headliner. I did not watch the fight, but she lost. So there's a wrestler down. Um, I did watch the Magomed Magomedov fight versus uh, Matthews Matos. So if you don't know, uh, Magomed Magomedov fought Peter Yan twice in ACA. It was ACB at the time. <clears throat> and uh, gave him a really tough go. Uh, was taking him down a lot in the first fight. And you know, Yan was very good off his back and arguably could have won that one. Uh, but he won a split decision. And then the rematch, uh, Yan's wrestling was you know jumped up several levels and, uh, and Yan put on the clinic. So uh, if it was a long time uh, between then and uh, Magomedov's next fight, which was uh, on Thursday, and he looked pretty darn good. I would say he looked a little less, uh, a little less active. Like it was definitely lower volume, uh, but I would say he focused more. He focused his process more. It's something that happens with uh, really grappling-centric fighters. I think should happen more often. A lot of the times when you come from a grappling base you look to, you know, develop the other parts of your skill set, which makes sense. But, you know, once you find some success with the other parts of your skill set, you spread yourself a little thin. You spend more time striking than maybe you should. And, uh, you know, someone like Damian Maia is a good example of someone who tried out both approaches, where he definitely got away from his grappling a little bit and tried to strike more. Um, and, you know, still mixed in his takedowns and still, you know, grappled a decent amount, but after uh you know a losing streak after some some uh performances that slipped away a little bit you saw him doing a lot less on the feet and just focusing really hard and just getting the fights to the ground minimizing effort on the feet so i think that's what we're seeing from magomed magomedov he was uh you know pretty patient from the outside not doing a whole lot then had a really explosive really fast single leg entry uh it really reminds me of Khabib, but it's a straight on single uh could kind of uh cuts a little bit of an angle uh, but yeah, straight on single, uh, snatch single, you might call it, but from distance. And uh, yeah, it just has a really nice progression finishing from there. You know, usually gets height on the leg pretty quickly. It takes up the base or gets to the, uh, the cage and works to a double or a body lock or something like that. His mat returns look awesome. Uh, really, really big lifts a lot of the, on a lot of those finishes from Magomedov. And uh, I think a lot of people saw the one clip where he uh, did a full rotation in the air on the single, I think, or on the mat return actually it was from the, uh, from your standing from that rear body lock, he had did a full rotation and uh, dumped Matos on his on the back of his head and on his neck, and his arm bent a weird way. It was a uh, pretty gross, <laughs> but Matos was okay apparently. And then uh, yeah, Magomedov's rides were looking pretty solid as well. Um, looked like he was putting in the the Iowa ride, just the one leg sitting on the leg. Um, you know, used these the leg mount position, just you know, very very conventional. Uh, rides and didn't have a whole lot of offense from those positions, but controlled Matos very well. And I'm interested to see what he can do against some of the more uh, established fighters in that division at Bantamweight and Bellator. Uh, he got like Archuleta and 
you know, he could have access to Horiguchi and um, there's some interesting guys there. So that was cool. And uh, on the prelims, there were two wrestlers. They both won. Uh, Romero Cotton, three-time D2 NCAA champion, won. He didn't really, lay, really look like he knew how to set up his shots on the feet very well. But to his credit, he didn't force them. You know, he didn't try to he didn't panic and try to take the fight down right away. Uh, he waited on his opponent, who looked solid, honestly. His opponent looked like they knew what they were doing and made it annoying for him uh, to initiate anything. But uh, they, you know, bit a little too hard on their own offense and uh, and ran into him a little bit. It wasn't even a huge opening, but uh, they, they were out of stance for a tiny little second, a little bit overextended, and then he shot in a huge, huge uh, blast double and uh, looked pretty solid on top because his top game is pretty good. Uh, I think he finished with an arm triangle. So Romero Cotton, keep an eye on him. Let's see how he progresses. Uh, great athlete, great wrestler, great top game. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. Also in the prelims, Cody Law. He is also a Division II national champion, and he also wrestled two seasons for Penn State in Division I. Uh, it was decent, a decent starter for them. He, uh, he looked really good. He looks like a really good fighter. Apparently, he's fighting out of ATT. I don't know if that means like Coconut Creek uh, proper, but he looked very well trained, uh, you know, just good process on his feet, uh, good, good, competent striking, uh, you know, kept himself pretty safe and his shot entries look clean and everything looked good and clean. And he looks like a pretty complete fighter for the level he's at right now for being two and zero as a pro at this point, he looks really good. Um, so keep an eye on Cody law. I forget what weight he's at, but I think probably 155. He wrestled 157 in college. Uh, yeah. Then the UFC card. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so let's, let's talk a minute about the main event first. So I spent a decent amount of time, not very long, but a decent amount of time last week talking about Tony Ferguson and just how his wrestling was kind of underrated. I also made a video just showing all the situations where he's been a good wrestler in his career. Um, I don't think. Hmm. So, so the big question is, you know, Oliveira dominated him, right? So is Tony just what was his success very matchup dependent or is he shot? Is he washed? Is it both? I think it's a little bit of both. Um, you know, because he's been, he's been taken down before, you know, he's had his guard passed. <laughs> he's been put in bad situations in the ground. Uh, Kevin Lee mounted him pretty quickly. Kevin Lee took him down twice. Um, Abel Trujillo took him down. Uh, that might actually be it. <laughs> so only a couple of guys have actually taken him down and, and exploited anything. You might remember the Danny Castillo fight. He ended up pulling guard. Uh, he was defending Castillo's takedowns and then pulled guard. And to be fair, a lot of the shots that I've seen him defend are like doubles from too far away or singles or just stuff that he can you know, get grips on and, and work from. Uh, Oliveira's takedowns are very smart in this fight. He had a really, all, all his entries were very clean. Uh, there wasn't too much resistance to get through. Um, he picked really nice spots. Uh, one of the reads that he made that I really liked, and it was just one takedown per round. Uh, one of the reads that he made that I really liked was, um, I believe he caught caught and uh, ran forward on a, a kick. It was a uh, the front the lead front snap kick. Um, and Tony used that a whole lot. It was a very high percentage move for him, high volume move for him. And, uh, you know, they definitely game planned around it. And, you know, if someone's kicking straight at you usually you can you know parry down and, and carry it or parry down and carry it across and uh, you saw Usman do that to, to Masvidal and uh, took him down off of that but 
I think Oliveira just uh, kept it in his armpit and ran at him and went uh, you know, across across to his neck and uh, took out his leg. But when you have that arm out, outside the neck, you can push their upper body one way and use your legs to chop out the leg the other way and, and make them horizontal. So that worked out pretty well. Um, he had a nice double entry. I think his other entries were uh, a lot of just Ferguson being out of position. Ferguson, you know, strikes the way he strikes. You know, sometimes he gets a little overzealous with his entries or, you know, defensively, like, comes out of his stance and spins and does things that, you know, compromise him as a wrestler. And usually he's like, oh, I can scramble out of that or, oh, I could, you know, offer a choke threat or, you know, what have you. But in this case, I mean, he was just giving up deep entries on doubles on the cage and stuff like that. Oliver was taking him down, passing his guard, uh, you know, smotioning him whenever he tried to grab or anything like that. Oliver just looked like a, a solid top player. He picked his takedowns wisely. Uh, I don't think Tony looked very good in the feet either. He looked pretty flat. Um, I wouldn't say he looked like he was done or washed or shot on the feet. Although physically, if he's not there like he used to be, he's such a physically dependent fighter. Even a small drop-off can make a really big difference for him in his game. So I think that's something that you have to think about, uh, that even if he's not washed, just a slight physical decline can make such a big difference uh, for someone like him. Like Aldo, for example, you know, has to bite really hard in his counters and, and fights a very like athletic, physical style uh, over a long time. Even in his prime, that was causing him problems. So even a, sl- a small drop-off, uh, hurting his cardio or you know his reaction time or something like that, especially when you're a defensive fighter, that can make a huge difference, right? So even if you're like still taking shots and uh, you look fine, you know, it it can really throw off your game and and take away a big piece of what makes you successful. So I want you to think about things like that when you think about if someone's shot or washed or what that means if they're past their prime. It doesn't have to be something dramatic, like, oh, he's like falling apart every time he gets hit. Um, It could be a small thing. It just depends on what your game needs. Um, and Tony Ferguson's game was extremely physical, extremely mobile. He had to be creating motion and action all the time. And if your body's not responding quite as well, if you don't feel as strong anymore, especially against Oliveira, who's maturing physically now, uh, he, he looked very strong and a lot thicker. Um, he's always been more physical than people give him credit for. But now that he's, you know, gaining some size and really finding his way in the weight, it looked rough. It looked rough for Tony. I don't think he wins that fight. If they fight 10 times today, you know, I don't think Tony beats him. I think it's just going to be a tough, tough matchup for him. So, I mean, Oliveira was like walking into punches, and but he was also hitting some back foot counters. He didn't seem bothered by Tony's offense. Um, so, yeah, I don't have a ton to say about the fight. Uh, look forward to some more grappling breakdowns on that fight because I think the, uh, the actual top game that Oliveira put on is more interesting than how we got him down. But also a big shout out to Ben Cohn, who made a video about Oliveira's reactive takedown game and specifically pointed to ways that Tony's been taken down that are very similar to what Oliveira finds. And that's what happened. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I figured, yeah, he probably will take him down. I just wasn't convinced that Oliveira would be able to top game him like that. And uh, wow, <laughs> he did. So yeah, that was that was a cool performance. It was definitely a bit of a letdown as a fight because like he wanted Tony to offer him something and not just get blown out. But you know, it's a cool uh, coming into coming into form for Oliveira. People are going to respect him a lot more now, uh, and I hope he gets a crack at somebody in the top five soon. He matches up pretty well with those guys, honestly. If we take a look at the rankings, 
Uh, well, Ferguson, I think, might still be ranked number three. That, I think that's correct. I think Gaethje is number one. Yeah, Gaethje's number one, Poise two, Tony three, Conor McGregor four, Dan Hooker five. This is a very unique spot for Charles Oliveira, where if you just think about him as a grappler purely in this in this sense, um, Justin Gaethje looked like a pretty good wrestler against Khabib. He defended a lot, but you know when Khabib got deep on the legs, he was able to turn the corner and got to his back. I mean, that was pretty much game over. Took him down the cage as well. Um, I don't see Oliveira being able to pressure Gaethje well into those situations. And despite him being not not durable, I just don't think he would hold up well trying to pressure Gaethje. I think he'd get blasted. Let's throw that one out. But just, you know, if Oliveira found out a craftier way to draw him in and get to his legs and take him down, that could be a pretty big spot for Oliveira. I wouldn't favor him there, though. Justin Poirier. Another one where I would worry about him pressuring just because of the counterpunching. I mean, everyone except Tony uh, is, is a pretty dangerous counterpuncher in, in this in that top five. Um, but again, somebody with a suspect ground game against an elite grappler, I would say suspect is the right word. I don't think Dustin or or even or even Gaethje have necessarily bad ground games. Dustin's is better, um, but I think Oliveira would probably exploit it. Um, so that's an interesting fight as well. Um, Conor McGregor, people talk a lot about him not having a good ground game. I think he has a better ground game than Dustin or Gaethje. Uh, so that would probably be an interesting one. And I think his, uh, his ability to not get pressured is a lot better than either of the other two guys. I mean, if you look at Khabib versus Conor, Conor didn't start to get put on the cage until much later in the fight. Um, so I think that could be interesting. Uh, but yeah, I mean, those, those are guys with, with grappling vulnerabilities. Uh, the, the grappling is not the height of their skill sets. And uh, Oliveira has put something together on the feet where I think he could hang uh, a bit with those guys, but yeah, probably gets blasted uh, by most of them. But, you know, it's just, if he really focuses in on how he's going to be taking people down and crafts game plans around how he's going to take these guys down, um, I, I could see it happening. I could definitely see it happening. Um, we talked about specialization, right? You know, Oliver has really, really grown as a striker, but now he needs to decide how is he going to beat the top five of his division. Um, and Dan Hooker, that's a weird one because I think Hooker's vulnerable enough in the feet where Oliver might try to stand with him a little more. But all, uh, Hooker's got that weird thing where he can just tank whatever you throw and hang in the pocket and fire back really hard and counter you, uh, which we've seen a bunch of times. But like, a specific moment to look at is uh, when he knocked out Gilbert Burns. Um, he got peace <laughs> by combination and then was just still there and uh, just waited for uh, Burns to be open and countered him, knocked him out. Uh, so yeah, it's interesting. And then the only person above Oliveira other than that is RDA. And uh, I hope to God they don't make that fight because that just that seems like a waste of time to me. Like if RDA is somehow good enough to beat him at this point in his career, that's awesome. Hats off to RDA. But then he just killed a contender, and all you have left is old RDA, who has question mark amount of time left as being someone that can put a fight together. So don't do that. <laughs> so those are my, my thoughts on the lightweight division now that Oliveira won. My thoughts that no one asked for. Uh, other stuff on that card. I mean, obviously the main event, right? Uh, that was like calling that the main event. That's not the main event. The main event was Figueredo versus Moreno. 
and there was wrestling in that fight. I specifically want to talk about body locks because, man, I think Figueredo got taken down by every body lock Moreno tried. And it's not just a matter of Figueredo has bad takedown defense or Moreno's really good at body locks because I don't think it's either of those things. I think this just might be one situation where Figueredo really doesn't know what to do. <laughs> he just might not have been told. Um, or he's just not used to people trying to hit the takedown that quickly. And because uh, what he was doing was whenever Moreno got to the body lock position, it's like when they were throwing hard, right? Uh, Moreno was dipping under, which is dangerous because, you know, Figueredo does have a nice uppercut, but he was dipping under, coming back up with double underhooks and getting the body lock or uh, over unders even and come, stepping around to hit it really quickly. Uh, Figueredo was reaching up. He's reaching up and over. So if someone has double underhooks on you, the natural response is, oh, I need double overs. Fine. Get double overs. That's fine. It doesn't matter. Um, but the rest of his body wasn't doing anything. He was just standing there. <laughs> he was in his normal stance. Uh, and Moreno was moving him back and his feet came together. And he's like, oh, I can trip you very easily now. And he did. Um, blocked out his base and took him over the other way and collapsed him. Uh, he did it over and over and over again, and Figueredo never responded better. You need to get your hips back. <laughs> if someone wants to body lock you, you need to get your hips back. Um, read my article. I, I broke down uh, Alex Marinelli and Vincenzo Joseph. Uh, they had a really funny dynamic where Vincenzo Joseph uh, inside tripped Isaiah Martinez in the NCAA finals on two separate occasions. So for Vincenzo Joseph's first and second NCAA titles, uh, he won by inside tripping Isaiah Martinez. Um, and Isaiah Martinez is always looking for underhooks. So he's coming into underhooks and they're getting into these over-under situations. Vincenzo's letting him push him back and he's hopping back in for the inside trip. Um, so he, he welcomes those positions. Whereas Alex Marinelli is someone who's really good from underhooks as well and body locks. And he said, okay, so we're gonna counter your counter with my counter. Um, so it's like second, third layer game planning, right? <laughs> Where uh, he's he's getting his underhook and he's saying, Let, let's go, like inside trip me. And then when he sees him trying to come in for the inside trip, he uh, crushes the body lock and takes him straight to his back. Um, and then they had more matches after that. And you can see in their subsequent mass- matches how each of them is adjusting to that position. But you know the way that Joseph avoided getting body locked was he got his hips way back. He, he stepped further back and he kept his lock. And in MMA, that opens you up to striking. You know, your body's open for striking, but that's better than getting taken down over and over again, I would say. Uh, so there's that. But also, if you don't need to get double overhooks or over under or whatever you're going to do, you can also just, you know, block the hips. And if you block the hips, it also helps for uh, not getting ground and pounded. So basically, you have to reach inside, inside and across. Uh, across their hips uh and it should that should be a pretty solid defense and just back up back up get your hips back get put on the cage whatever you're way stronger than brandon moreno you can get out of the clinch with him it's just this specific counter where you need to have a quick reaction and he didn't do it uh he got doubled once too which was interesting but normally his shot defense or his shot counters are pretty good um he looks really strong in those positions but here he just looked kind of useless so credit to moreno for continuing to hammer that because i mean if you have a fighter who has an advantage in a fight and it's working multiple times, 
never stop doing it. <laughs> like, why would you stop until they give you a reason to stop? So yeah, for sure. Good on him for, for hammering the, the weakness. Uh, that That's a good sign for him as a fighter. Um, but yeah, that was annoying. That annoyed me. Cool. So that's, that's results, things that happened. Uh, Gavin Tucker's performance was really cool. I'm not going to go too deep into it right now because I haven't done the research because I'm going to write about it. So I'm going to watch it again. Um, but he had some really nice clinch entry tactics, uh, basically off of uh, Quarantillo's offense and all, a little bit weaving into it from his own offense and just really good underhook entries and, uh, you know, punching the underhook and getting angles and hitting body locks and, uh, you know, dragging him back across from the body lock. So uh, playing with his feet. So I'm going to write about that, I think. And then uh, next week, I'll probably write about the individual World Cup and men's freestyle. So the individual World Cup is just the World Championships, but it's not the World Championships because not enough countries are participating. The U.S. isn't going. Japan isn't going. There are a few other countries that aren't going. Um, so it doesn't count <laughs> as a real World Championship. So they're calling it the individual World Cup. It's still in Serbia. It's the same place. Russia's going to be there. Cuba's going to be there. Georgia's going to be there. Um, you know, most of the big nations are going to be there. So uh, a lot of cool stuff's going to happen. I'm most interested, I would say, in 74 kilograms because Frank Camizo and uh, Rosenbeck Jamalov are going to wrestle probably in the finals, depending on the seating. And uh, Jamalov just beat... Uh, Katik uh, Sabalov and Sabalov beat Sidikov. So Sidikov is the two-time world champion, hasn't lost in two years, and then at Russian Nationals he loses to uh, he loses to Sabalov, and in the final Sabalov loses to Jamalov. So that is the the depth the depth there. Um, so your returning two-time world team member could actually be third on the chart if you're thinking about it that way. So they're sending Jamala for this one. I still think they'll probably do Sidikov for the Olympic team. Uh, it, it was a close match. It was a really close match between Sabalov and Sidikov. So I'm not really sure uh, what the actual, you know, who's better than who is because they've, they've had a bunch of close matches before. And Sidikov does wrestle close matches against a lot of people. So it's not like he's blowing everybody out. Uh, he's just really clutch. And the world is really tough. Uh, but I don't think we've ever seen Camizo and... Uh, Jamala have wrestled before so that'll be really cool and it'll tell us a lot about both of them uh but yeah there's, there's a bunch of other cool stuff but just uh, go to the fight site and read seth uh, patera's previews and the rankings check out the rankings to see who's going to be there um but yeah that's going to be wednesday um when worlds starts so look forward to that i'll definitely write about that and uh yeah other stuff to look forward to i would say there's an aca card ACA 116, that's on Saturday, same day as the uh, the next UFC card. Um, and in the main event, Marat Balayev is fighting at Felipe, I think it's Freud, Freus, I don't know how to, how to pronounce it, Freus, <laughs> he's the featherweight, uh, he was the featherweight champion, did he lose the title? What happened there? No, he's the featherweight champion. Yeah, he won the title over Salman Jamaldayev, who is a, a cool all-rounded fighter and uh, had crazy fights with Belayev before and Belayev is like uh if you don't know he how old is he he's 44 and he didn't start fighting and think until his 30s and the reason why it took so long is because he was in prison um he was in prison for a long time then he got out and started fighting um look there's a really good article about that but he has wins over Yusuf Rysov um 
and you might know Diego Brandel a little better, but he is an old man. He fights like an old man, uh, but he's just super gritty, durable, uh, decent boxer, um, good like procedural wrestler. He gets like singles in the cage and really works those positions. He gets the body lock and just chain wrestles really well uh, and, and holds people down and has a decent ground game. Uh, so I look forward to him. I hope he wins. Oh, no, I guess I don't, I don't hope he wins just because I want the younger guy with the bigger upside. Uh, Froyce is a really good boxer. I, I think I want him to win, but, you know, <laughs> just just throwing it out there. Uh, and then uh, anyone else on that card that I would want to talk about in a wrestling context? I don't think so. But uh, the one card has a few guys on there, but I'm not going to talk about that until, you know, they show that they're worth talking about. So look it up for yourself. <laughs> And then the, U- the UFC card upcoming, I don't really think wrestling is going to be a big deal on it. Uh, Wonder Boy and Jeff Neal, I can't imagine they're going to wrestle. Aldo and Vera, I don't think so. Um, although it would be kind of a smooth move for Aldo to really get a wrestling game going at this point, because I know he has it. I know he can do it. Um, he tried to wrestle Jan a little bit, but that didn't go very well. Uh, but you know, someone who is a less dynamic athlete and also a worse wrestler, that could be a, good, a better look for him. But knowing Aldo, he'll probably just sit on the back foot and let Vera try to hit him because Vera spends every fight pretending to be an outfighter for a couple of rounds before he realizes he's a swarmer. Um, I don't think either are going to go that well for him, but Aldo could just be shot and not be able to defend. But I think it, I think Aldo's going to win. And uh, yeah, none of the other fights on the main card look like they're really, very wrestly. Uh, the prelims has like Bilal Muhammad. I know he's capable of putting a competent grappling performance together. Duran Wynn is fighting. Poor Duran Wynn. That's a sad story. He uh, he is national team. He was national team in freestyle while he was fighting. Like he was still making uh, national teams. The national team is top three at the weight in in the country. Um, so he was you know losing in the uh, you know the trials things like that, but. Still very high placing domestically uh, in freestyle while he's doing MMA. So he, he's very legit. He's one of the better wrestlers in MMA, uh, but he just does not figure out how to do MMA. And uh, I think he can't get his weight figured out either. Um, so it's just a sad situation. He's not very good. Um, Eamon Zahabi from TriStar, that's uh, Faraz's brother. He's fighting. He's good. And uh, yeah, that's... Uh... <laughs> Jillian Robertson. Uh, she's a women's flyweight. She hits uh, single leg entries a lot and goes to the crackdown finish. I think that's a pretty cool position for a grappler of her caliber, uh, and she should probably hit that uh, hop over. You ever jump your hips over? Like when you get to a single leg, you know, you're know you in the position to run the pipe. Instead of running the pipe, you kind of crash uh, and get your hip and your head to the mat on the side that you have the single and, and bring their hip down. Um, it's a really risky way to finish if you're messy as a wrestler, not sound positionally or you know, screw up the crackdown and put yourself on your own hip, but you should be able to get, you know, chest down uh, and get their hip on the mat and then either try to like double off or uh, basically get height on your hips and jump them back over their legs to to go cross body. Um, You can also jump straight back over like with your chest facing the air and then turn in. But uh, yeah, she likes to crack down. Um, That's the only thing I remember about her wrestling is she hits a lot of singles and that's her preferred finish. Uh, but yeah, so I think there'll be a decent amount to talk about next week afterward. And uh, I think we'll talk a lot about freestyle because uh, next week's card also doesn't have a lot of good wrestlers on it. 
Um, nope. I mean, there are wrestlers on it, but no one I really want to talk about. It looks like it's going to be a while until there's any like really big wrestling-based matchups. I'm looking. I'm looking through the UFC cards. I'm not really seeing it. Bellator will probably bring something up faster um, with their with their tournament. Uh, yeah, I'm still looking. I'm still looking. It's going to be a while. It's going to be a long time. Uh, so, oh yeah, it's going to be Usman Burns probably. That'll be the next time I'll actually have to care about wrestlers and MMA. But yeah, I'm going to be on the lookout for prospects. I'm going to be peeking through the cards. Uh, read my articles on Bloody Elbow and read everyone else's stuff on the fight site, listen to our podcast, subscribe to YouTube channel, all that. Uh, yeah. And follow me on Twitter at Edward Gallo MMA, and we can talk about whatever. Uh, if you are not a jerk or racist or anything like that, I will definitely talk to you. So hit me up. That's it. Goodbye.